Hello. My goodness, I'm sweaty. I had a jacket on earlier. I had to take it off. Praising the Lord is good stuff. Um, it was funny, right when uh, JL got up to say that, I was reminded of a verse. Um, I'm a little sick right now, a little under the weather, and um, I was reminded of a verse while I was worshiping. And uh, this is a complete side note, but it's definitely worth it, because I learned early on that there's, there's nothing that's going to stop me from praising my God. There's nothing, not a cold, not anything. Uh, when J- Jesus was riding into uh, Jerusalem before he was crucified, uh, people like put palm branches down on the ground and everything as, as Jesus is coming in. Um, and some Pharisees uh, among the crowd said to this, uh, said to Jesus, rebu- rebuke your followers for saying things like that because they were shouting praise, shouts of joy. Jesus said this, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. And I am going to scream for my God before any rock does. You know what I'm saying? Um, So let's, uh, I got some really good stuff that God gave me. And I know that that there are some hearts in here that really need to hear um, the word from God tonight. And so let's uh, pray real quick. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, for um, just coming into this room, uh, giving us your presence and Father, um, teaching us. I pray that you can remove me from my microphone and, and speak through me, um, Lord, and uh, God, that you can just send forth your word, which we know does not return void, um, God, but your word sinks deep into our hearts. So I pray that for every heart and every mind here tonight. So when I was a kid, I was in Little League Baseball. And you know how like the stages of Little League Baseball go? Where there's T-ball, and then uh, there's like coach pitch, like the coaches pitch to you. And then it's machine pitch. And then like the kids pitch to you, which all of a sudden it goes from being really accurate in the machine to super not accurate, right? Because kids are now throwing at you. Um, But I was a pretty decent baseball player um, growing up. I mean, as far as little league standards go, Um, I I was okay for sure. Um, When I was in elementary school, uh, the first year of when kids are pitching back and forth, I was um, like just real short and I almost weighed the same as I do now. Um, if you can imagine that, I was a power hitter is what I was called. Um, and so one game in particular, I, I don't remember the game itself, but I remember what happened right after the game. Afterward, you, you go in and you know, shake hands, say good game, give high fives to the other team right next to home plate. You kind of go across and you, you just smack hands or whatever, you know, I'm all just like, hey, yeah, good game, you know, smacking hands. And there's this one kid that is notorious for just being a bully and just a really mean kid. He was on the opposite side of the team, the other team that we played. And we had just won. So he was already not happy. And I mean, you know the type of person I'm talking about, like stereotypical bully, sort of like just beat people up for no reason or whatever. He was like the, the bully of the school. And he was super mad that they, their team had lost. I wish I could say it was because I was the hero, but that's not true. Um, but what happened was the kid in front of me decided that he wanted to kind of show this bully up and rub the victory in a little bit. So instead of high-fiving, the kid in front of me just got a fist and just punched the kid's shoulder. And I thought it was funny. If I think things are funny, I'm going to laugh. So I laughed. And so the first thing that he gets punched and then he sees me laughing. And so he grabs my arm, twists it behind me, trips me and takes me down to the ground. And I'm just little chubby Will just crying. 
just crying, just crying. And I remember my dad didn't make it to the game. My mom was there and she mama bared, right? She rushed out, oh my goodness, Willie, Willie, are you okay? She like helped me up and got me right into the car. And then before I knew it, like I was taking a bath in Epsom salts at home. And my mom's on the outside of the door like, are you okay? I'm like, leave me alone. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking to myself, like, what is my dad going to think? What is my dad going to think when he hears this story? Um, of course, my mom probably already called him like four times or whatever it was. But like, what's he going to think? And I, I thought to myself, what would my dad have done if he were in that situation? He grew up in a different, different time. I mean, he told me about like times where if, if you had something to say to someone at school, you just waited till afterward and teachers didn't break anything up. They just fought and they just worked it, they, it worked itself out. And my dad was not like me. He was skinny, very skinny when he was young, but he could handle his business, if you know what I mean. Um, and so I remember thinking to myself, my dad wouldn't have just like got twi- his arm twisted and, and face put in the dirt. And so that kind of stuck with me in the next year. When you know it, something else happened where little chubby Willie decided and understood that being bigger than people is good. <laughs> and so it happened during recesses, during the winter, and we had a sledding hill, and I, sl- I sledded down this hill. And I get up to get out, and it probably took me a little while to get up, and some, some kid stole my sled. And I was like, not today. And I marched up that hill. I don't know how long it took me, but I got up to the top, and I went up to that kid, and I was like, that is my sled. You took it. He's like, no, that's mine. I'm like, you took it. And I got in his face. And uh, before I knew it, he just punched me right in the nose, and I saw red. And I just, long story short, He's running into school, and I'm following him with a bloody nose. going, come on! Come on! Straight to the principal's office going, yep, that's exactly what happened. I mean, he, he was, uh, no one ever fought me after that day. No one ever fought me after that. Tonight, I want to talk to you about who your father is. And not just that, but who you are because your father is. Because just like me in that story, I, I wanted to be like my dad and like father, like son is a, is a term that we hear. And when we realign ourselves with who our heavenly father is and we align ourselves with who we are because of him, like father, like son becomes a whole lot more meaningful and different. Tonight, I want each and every one of you in this room to know that you've been placed here on this planet for a specific mission and a specific purpose. That your Father in heaven built you and created you for a reason. And I'll tell you right now, God does not waste his time. If he's gonna create something, he does not waste his time and he created each and every one of you. The Bible says that you were knit together in your mother's womb. And so I'm gonna bring some truth tonight to that, but I'm also gonna tell you two lies from the pit of hell because just as God put us on this planet for a purpose and a mission, Satan wants to steal that purpose and wants to steal that mission away so that we do not reflect the Father in heaven when we are not like father, like son, or like father, like daughter. And so tonight I'm gonna use um, a scripture from the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, um, or sorry, book of Judges. Um, And let me give you a little background on 
on who this is. It's a, it's a guy named Gideon. Now, Gideon was a, a chosen, um, one of God's chosen uh, people. He was called an Israelite. And what happened was there were these couple kings that just came into the promised land where God promised his kids a certain land. And, and these foreign rulers came in and basically kind of just took over and took control. And Gideon, at one point um, in his life, when he comes into the story, we see that he's super scared. He's, trying, he's basically in this pit, like, make it, like has his crops in this pit so people can't see. He's, he's afraid of, the, of these kings and these rulers. Well, long story short, God raises his, him up, Gideon, up to be the deliverer of um, the, the Israelites and leads him and, and, and gets him to lead a whole army of Israelites against this. Now, the army of Israelites started out um, over just, just over 10,000, but the army of the Midianites, which is the foreign rulers, was 120,000 strong. Like the Bible says that like if you looked across their camp, you couldn't even count them. They were like grains of sand on a seashore. So Gideon, long story short, um, God weeds his army from like just over 10,000 to 300 men, 300 dudes. And it's really cool because he <laughs> weeds them down by how they drink water. Um, Bible's cool. God's a little weird in it. It's awesome. All right, you should, you should totally get it. Get it. It's Judges 7 is the story. But long story short, 300. This is like kind of like the 300 um, from, from the Greek thing, but it's way cooler because uh, they defeat the army um, and they send them running and Gideon get, chases them down with these 300 men, kills all 120,000 and gets the two kings and gets the two kings that, that were the leaders of this foreign force that was oppressing God's people really bad. And this is when we're gonna jump into the story. Verse 18 in Judges 8. Uh, then Gideon asked Zeba and Zalmunna, which are the foreign kings, the men you killed at Tabor, and what were they like? And these kings said, like you, they replied, they all had the look of a king's son. They were my brothers, the sons of my own mother, Gideon exclaimed. As surely as the Lord lives, I wouldn't kill you if you hadn't killed them. And this is the point, this is the part I really want you to pay attention to, verse 20. Turning to Jether, his oldest son, he said, kill them. So his, the father right now asked his son to kill these two kings. And obviously this is like a different time, different era. It's not like, hey, go pick out some Pringles in the store. It's like, come kill these two dudes in front of everybody, okay? So, um, but Jether did not draw his sword for he was only a boy and he was afraid. Then Zeba and Zalmunna said to Gideon, be a man, kill us yourself. So Gideon killed them both and took the royal ornaments off the necks of their camels, which apparently is a big deal. Um, but what I want you to focus on there is that Gideon's son didn't kill the kings. He had an opportunity to kill two kings. Um, flash forward to Jesus talking to some of his closest disciples. I'm going to start in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. So from now on, you know him and have seen him. So we see two different depictions of like father, like son. Have you ever had a birthday that you really anticipated because when you turn that certain age, you get a certain privilege? You know what I'm saying? Like when I turned 10, I got a knife. 
Like, not, like in Boy Scouts, I had to use my dad's knife, and I couldn't keep it and everything. When I turned 10, I got my knife. I was really cool. I had a little sheath that hung it on my belt. Had it for about two days because I stabbed my dad's tire with it. Um, that's a different story. But that was like a birthday I looked forward to because when I got to double digits, I get a knife, get a blade, right? Got taken away quick. But we know what we're talking about. I mean, you got to be a certain age to drive, right? That's the birthday that you anticipate, even though it seems like you turn 16 and you still wait a year because <laughs> of permits and stuff like that. Um, but that's, that's those, those birthdays, you, you, you'll vote at a certain age. Um, you know, you, you end up 21's drinking age, right? Things like that. There's, there's these birthdays, the idea of age requirements. Now, I believe the subject of age requirements has slipped into the church, that we have to be a certain age before we can do something great for God, that the Holy Spirit has placed something in your heart to do like a passion in you for something specific, that's what we define as a calling, and that's kind of Christianese, if you will, but a passion inside your heart that you know that you were put on this planet for a certain purpose or mission. You were born to do this. Like in high school, I knew I was gonna be working at some level with kids. And I, when I went to college, like I'm gonna be a teacher. And because I had this thing I just was in me. This, this thing is like, I know that I'm supposed to teach. I know it. I know, I know it, and, and it's something that I, I, started, I started pursuing and everything, but it was like I knew I was placed on this planet for that reason, and it wasn't until later, obviously, God revealed to me that my calling, my passion was to be a pastor, to be able to bring God's word and teach it to others, and, and he put me into that place, but I did not follow, I did not follow that purpose, that mission in my life after I got my title as pastor. I followed that purpose before I ever had the title. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You have been called to do a certain thing. But see what happens is when we feel that purpose, we feel that, that thing that we are born to do, we mix this thing called logic with it. And there's a, there's a problem whenever we mix something that we hear from the Holy Spirit in our lives with logic, it waters it down and it stalls it out. Because there's this lie, and this, this first lie that I want to debunk is the lie that, that you're too young or you have to be a certain age to do something great for God. That's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell, from hell itself. It says that you have to be a certain age. It's like if you were put on this planet to, to write music. You mix that word with, with logic saying, I don't even know four chords on a guitar. I can't write music yet. I don't even know how to play the piano. People, play, I mean, John Legend, he plays the piano. He can write music. You mix it with logic. Like I have to go to music. I, I have to major in music at school and I have to learn music theory and I have to know the difference between an English horn and a French horn. You mix logic with it, but the truth is that the Holy Spirit could care less about your age. That if you were placed on this planet to do great things, why mix logic with it? Why not fan it into flame now? Why not grab it and run with it? You are not too young to do something good for God. There's a, there's a story of a king named Josiah who was eight years old. Eight years old. King. 
who God made you to be. It's not how old you are. Who God made you to be is who you are right now. And, and maybe it's something, like if you guys need permission, I'm just gonna give it to you right now. You have permission to follow your passion and your, and, and your mission in life, the calling that God has given you. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your purity. It does not matter where you are in life. It does not matter. Age has absolutely nothing to do with your calling. The only childhood story we see of Jesus is him being in the temple at 12 years old. He left his parents. Uh, the parents, parents just like left, and he's like, I'm gonna go to the temple. Didn't tell him. But he's sitting there schooling the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, with how he's asking things and how he's answering things, and it amazed them. It amazed them. Your age will never keep you from doing something great for God but your immaturity will. Your age will never keep you from doing something great for God, but your immaturity will. Let me ask you something. Did you wake up this morning to be mediocre? Did you wake up this morning to be average? Because I guarantee you that God did not create you to be mediocre. God didn't create you to be average, no. There is perfection inside of you. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a perfect spirit in you. You are perfect. Each and every one of you. Doesn't matter what we do, what we say, that spirit inside of you is perfect. If you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, he has granted you with perfection, and I'm telling you, we are made in God's image. You are made in God's image, and that is perfect. We can work with perfect. God can work with his spirit in you. So why did Gideon not follow through? The Bible says because he was too young and afraid. He made it into the 300, not because he was Gideon's son. He made it into the 300 because he was a faithful son. You are sons and daughters of the most high. If he's telling you to do something, it is time for you to respond to it. It is time for you to act. I mean, it takes me back to David and Goliath. David's not scared of what the king is telling him. When, when David hears Goliath saying that, blaspheming God, saying God's not real, and, and saying some really messed up stuff about God, David hears that, and he goes up to the king of the Israelites, and he says, let me kill this guy. He's a boy. And, and this is what the king says. The king says to David, this man has been killing men since he was a young boy. And you want to go face him, you're going to die. And I think David had this aha moment. You're like, ah. Oh. I think David might have had this thought. You know what? If Goliath got his start killing men, I'm going to get my start killing giants. If he got his start just killing men, I'm going to get my start slaying giants because David knew he had a purpose and a calling in his life and he was not going to let his age or what anybody else said change that. A king told him he couldn't do it. He said, oh yes, I can. With my God in me, with that perfect 
spirit in me with, with the God that I chase after and I love and I know I can do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or, or does. To Gideon's son had the opportunity to do something greater than David. David is famous for killing a giant who represented a king. Gideon's son had the opportunity to kill two kings. And because he was too young and afraid, he didn't do it. I wonder what the history books would have said. Would we be kind of praising Jether, the son of Gideon, more? More than David, even if he slayed two kings? See, the truth is, Jether was like his dad. His dad, throughout the story, when we see Gideon, that he, completely, he always asked God and tested God, was like, if this is real, then do this. And there's like three different times where he, he kind of tests God to make sure it's, it's God talking and everything. He didn't have that faith that David did. See, Jether was like his earthly father, father like son. No one even knew who David's dad was. The king saw after David killed the giant, asked, who's that guy? And the general next to him was like, I don't know. Like, well, who's his dad? I don't know. My dad owns a tire store up in Eagle Vale. And that was like, that's the family business. Tires. It's very tiring work. (laughs) Tire store joke. You guys clap more for that. Come on. <clears throat> so he, he owns the tire store. It's the family business and everything like that. And I'm talking like I knew tires. Like I was 13 years old studying snow tires. And I was good at it. I don't know if I should be proud of that. But fast. I worked at Discount Tire here in town. Um, I, I worked at, gosh, four or five different tire shops throughout my life because I always know tires. I know that business, I know that industry, and everything like that, but I followed God's will in my life, and I love my dad, and his store's cool, I don't know, I don't know, it makes money, he enjoys it, and I think that's what his purpose is, but I recognized my purpose, and yeah, it would have been easy to take over that business, and that business makes a lot of money, and I could be working at it right now even, but because God is in me and I have that thing that I was born to do and I followed it and I went after it, I am not gonna be like my father here on earth and now I'm gonna listen to my dad. I mean, what is your purpose? What is your mission? How many, knows, how many of you know what this tool is? I'm proud of you guys, good job. No, I'm not saying I'm less proud of you, okay? I honestly had to ask myself. I could, uh, this might give you a better hint if I make this the way it's supposed to be. Ooh, it's supposed to be this way. No, it's not. Honestly, I've never used this before. If, if you don't know the purpose, purpose of something by looking at it, can you ever really figure it out? I mean, you can, I mean, maybe it's a whip. Right? It makes that sound. Maybe it's a whip. Nay, nay, it's not a whip. Is it a whip? Nay, nay. It's not. <laughs> you have to live with yourself that you laughed at that. <clears throat> no, if you can't tell what the purpose of something is by looking at it, how do you find out? Well, the best way to find out 
is to ask the person that created it. Because he will tell you to a T what it's made for. And this is actually, it's, it's made for um, twisting off um, like, like pipes and, and round things that you don't want to like damage with a wrench or pliers. Um, so it's rubber. It's actually, I think they use it for the top of the urinals. Awesome. Why am I touching this? Um, don't let it touch the Bible. Okay. <laughs> but if you don't know the purpose of a thing, all you can do is misuse that thing. Like I was using it as a whip, but we, nay, nay, we know it's not. We know it's not a whip. A lot of us don't know the purpose of our lives. We don't know what we're called to do. But if you don't know the purpose of a thing, don't ask the thing. Ask who created the thing. If you don't know your purpose in life, if you don't know your mission in life, ask who created you. Because he will tell you to a T what you were put on this planet for. He will tell you to a T who you are. There's a lot of times I think in high school we struggle with this, this thing of like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. I don't know what college to go to. I don't know if I should, if I should go here, if I should go there. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. But I'm telling you, ask God. He will put it on your heart. And it almost feels like a burden. It almost feels like this heavy weight of like, I know I'm supposed to do this and I will do anything to do it. And I'm telling you that your whole life, God's not gonna release that burden from you. Like if he puts you on, a, on this planet for a specific mission and a purpose, that mission and that purpose is yours and yours alone. He wants you. He wants you to step into it to grab a hold of it and to chase after it. That's what he wants for your life. The second lie that tries to steal our purpose is that we believe our future is tied to our past. But our future is tied to our creator, always. Some of you might think, man, I'm only gonna be an alcoholic because my parents are an alcoholic. I'm gonna be into drugs because my parents were into drugs. I'm only gonna, I'm only gonna, I'm always gonna struggle with, with porn because I've, I'm, I'm addicted to porn in my past. And you think that ends up being the lie that fills your purpose. But each and every one of your, your purpose and your mission is tied to who created you. When you're born again, your legacy is tied to Jesus and nothing else. God is trying to produce character in you. He wants persistence and follow through. Can you imagine when Jesus was feeling the weight and the judgment on the cross? Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine if he just said, no, I can't do it anymore. Angels, come help me. Like, would we have the same respect for him? And maybe this is what you're thinking. Maybe you're thinking, well, like, I can't, like, Gideon asked his son to kill dudes. Like, your, your calling's not the same as mine. Your calling's not, my calling's much harder than yours. If you don't believe that God would ask you to do something like Gideon asked his son to do, I think that's the gospel we stand on. God asked his own son to come to earth as a sacrifice for each and every one of your hearts. 
he knew that Jesus could handle it. And he knew that Jesus loved every inch of every one of you and, and me. And the purpose and the mission that he places on your life, just like the purpose and mission he placed on Jesus' life, he knows you can handle it. He knows, yeah, it's gonna be tough. It was tough on Jesus. Before he went to the cross, he, the, the Bible says he sweat blood. I mean, his blood was shed 39 lashes and 40 would have killed him. And then he had to carry a piece of wood up a, up a mountain to, to just be nailed to it. It was hard, yeah, it was hard. But Jesus paid that price for, for you. I mean, the reason we respect and follow Jesus is because he followed his father. Jesus is loyal because God is loyal. Jesus is love because God is love. Jesus is victorious because God is victorious. Jesus is valiant because God is valiant. Jesus is unfailing because God is unfailing. He's undisputed because God is undisputed. He's perfect because God is perfect. Jesus is the personification of God, like father, like son. We have the same father as Jesus. Jesus himself said, our Father who art in heaven. That's our. Those words have weight. Such weight. God believes in you, his kids. Though it feels like a lot, you're not gonna break. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Promise from our dad. Deuteronomy 31.6, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. We are not going to be a fearful generation, but we are gonna be a faithful one. We are not gonna be an oppressed generation, but we are gonna be an obedient generation. We are not gonna be a Jether generation. We are gonna be a Jesus generation. I see potential in this room. I see potential that will change the world. In each and every one of you, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what you've been through, it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter anything. You have purpose. You have drive. You have motivation. You have words to say. You have love to share. You have jokes to tell. You have people to see. You have purpose. Some of you will be athletes. Some of you will be writers. Some of you will be poets. Some doctors, some lawyers. Whatever it is, there is a purpose that God put you on this planet. And if you focus on that purpose and you grab hold of it now, imagine what the history books could say about you. God has used far less in other people than what I see in this room. And he will continue to do it because he loves every inch of you. Everybody close their eyes.
And I want you to just imagine, imagine yourself in a chair next to God, next to your dad, next to our father. And when you think of him, I want you to just know how much he loves you. Look at him. I want you to just ask him right now in your heart. What do you want of me? I know you've placed me here in this room for this moment. What would you have me do? Because God, I'm not running and I'm not afraid. Here I am. Send me. And in your heart, in this moment, right now, in the intimacy of of this place with God, hold on to the words that he's saying to you. you to know you can sit in this chair next to him any place anywhere because God says that's your chair I'm always here I'm always wanting to talk to you about what I put you on this planet for Heavenly Father God I love you And I pray for each and every heart in this room. And I ask you, Lord, to speak words into their hearts. That you purify their minds with with the mind of Christ. That the enemy that tries to steal their purpose and steal their mission will not have a leg to stand on in the name of Jesus. Age flies out the door. Past flies out the door. But you, God, remain. Let every single heart, every single mind in this room know why they were created. Even if it's the smallest little, little tiny thing, little tiny drive, little tiny tiny idea, I pray that if it's from you, God, that that thing shines so bright that nothing will dampen it, nothing will diminish it. Move in these hearts tonight, God. Because your words matter. There's noise and there's everything going on around us, God. But they don't know who our daddy is. Bless every single heart in this room, Jesus. Let us I think some of you got some some personal words from the Lord tonight and I want you to know and I, and I said it earlier but you do not have to wait for times like this to receive those you can receive from the Lord anytime anywhere just have your ears open
If you have any sort of question about maybe I'm called for this, maybe my purpose is this, I want you to ask a small group leader, ask a pastor, ask one of us. We'll be happy to pray with you and, and try and weed through this. It's not a simple formula, a simple recipe. And each one of us as pastors, we can tell you that we were all called in different ways and in, in how God spoke to us. But I know for a fact that God has placed you on this planet for a specific mission and purpose. And you have the power to grab it right now and to go after it, even tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.